Hello and welcome to Bring Your Own Popcorn. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, here today with a very special guest, Webtoons artist, creative powerhouse, and rhythm game champion. Please welcome Spiri. Hi! Oh, I'm so excited! Yay! <laughs> Yay! So excited to have you here, Spiri. It's so great to be here! <laughs> You've selected a wonderful film for us to chat about that means a lot to you. Mm-hmm. But before we talk about your feature-selected film, I'm going to ask you a few questions uh, to get a sense of your experience and history with movies. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Starting... <laughs> Starting with, <laughs> our first question is, what was the first movie that you remember seeing in theaters? It's kind of like a two for one because that's how my mom treated it. Mm. But it was Curious George, like the very, very first one that came out. I'm not even sure if it was like something that I specifically wanted to see or if just like my mom wanted to go to the movies and it was the only kids show or kids movie we could look at uh-huh but we went and saw that and then she was just like oh my god but Nanny McPhee is still here so then we were <laughs> immediately going like right after Curious George ended like I think we caught the first two seconds of the credits and we had to start going over to Nanny McPhee dang um, <laughs> so that we could go catch the movie and get it all good but then I was really sleepy because I was little and this was like I think Curious George had to have ended at like 8 p.m or something and then Nanny Whoa. McPhee went on so it was really late and I kept falling asleep Aww. and my mom was like you have to wake up wake up because <laughs> we're watching the movie it's past your bedtime not- yeah <laughs> But I was like, oh, wow. And I'd already had like so much. Oh, no. I wonder now. I feel like it was Curious George first and Nanny McPhee second. But I might I had to go check back with my mom for real. Because <laughs> it might have been the other way. But I just remember the first movie. I was like hype. Yeah. And really ready to go. And then we went to that one and I was knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I really I, I loved the movies as a kid. We just didn't go that often because I don't think my mom and the my grandparents definitely they didn't really mess with the movies like that. They would go see the adult stuff. They couldn't see it with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the like PG-13 rated R stuff. Absolutely. They tried to get me to go see Final Destination one time, but uh, <laughs> my grandma didn't know that's like not how the ratings worked. <laughs> Wait, your grandma wanted to see Final Destination? Yeah. That's amazing. Her and my granddad, they both went. I don't think it was the first one. It was one of them. I can't remember which one. But gotcha. <laughs> they went to go see it. It was it had to have been whichever one with the... No, nah, let me not say that. I feel like it was either the elevator or the roller coaster scene, but I feel like that <laughs> might have been two, just one movie in itself. I don't know. Do you remember what they said about it after? Oh, they said they liked it. Dang. They're into they were into that weird like I call them torture films. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> like um, saw and stuff. Exactly. Or escape room, everything like that. Wow. You got some hip grandparents. Yeah, they're into that. <laughs> <laughs> and they really like Chucky and they had like a VHS tape of the grudge. Dang. Um and all this stuff. It was crazy. They would all be in my room too. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. They sound cool. Yeah, they're I awesome. Mean, I'm like not even into that that genre myself, but I'm still like, wow, cool. <laughs> it's cool in theory, but yeah. <laughs> I understand. 
So, Nanny McPhee and Curious George. I know Curious George is like, I read the books when I was a kid, so I know it's like about a white man who goes on safari and kidnaps a monkey. Literally. <laughs> that is exactly, a... well, I know, like, <laughs> the monkey kind of wanted to go with him. I get it. But it was because he had a yellow hat. Like, come on, y'all. Yeah. But like a banana. Just, it looks yeah. like a banana. <laughs> but the movie itself was really cute. I went and looked up some more info because I wanted to double check like both of these did come out in the same year. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that Will Ferrell, I don't know how to say his name. Will. Yeah, Will Ferrell. Ferrell? Yeah, okay. He was in it. I didn't know that as a kid. I didn't care. Oh. But <laughs> Yeah, was this animated or was it live action? It was animated. Oh, okay. It was really well animated, too, for at least, like, the time that it came out. It was, like, really cute. It looked like it had put some care into it for a kid's movie, you know? I feel like they don't do that as much with kid kids' movies lately. Definitely not, yeah. Just not all of them. Like, some of them are still okay. A lot of them, they just seem to, like, half-ass it. They just, like, because, yeah, there's only going to be six-year-olds looking at it. It's like, you could still make it pretty. Yeah, you can still make it do some do something be uh into it, but I didn't feel that way about Curious George when I was freaking six. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a big lack of respect for animation in the film world, which I think Literally. we've been hearing a lot about lately in the news with all the animators getting like fired and shafted and ripped off from these big companies. I'm trying to stay like or keep tabs on it and stuff mm -hmm. because way back when like. I don't know. I had finally figured out what I wanted to do for a living. Contrary to popular belief, I was not always trying to do art. Mm. I was um, doing other stuff before. Like, I think the very first thing I ever said I wanted to do was be a wedding planner. I don't know where that went. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, what happened to that. I don't know where it came from and why it just went away. <laughs> but I was just kind of like, yeah, I want to be a wedding planner. <laughs> and I was probably, like, just coming into middle school. So nobody was getting married. Yeah. But... <laughs> Have you saw was... The Wedding Planner, the movie? I've never seen it. <laughs> okay, me neither. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I'm hoping that it actually has something to do with planning weddings, right? I think so. I think it's a rom-com. I, I imagine. Okay. I haven't seen it, but I bet you it's something where, like, the wedding planner, like, ends up with the groom or something. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've never seen it and I really don't know where it came from. But I mean, I guess the only thing that stayed ever since then is me liking to organize things. Mm, so mm -hmm. like, I guess that could have went there. But then at some point that went into graphic designing and then I was like, yeah, I'm going to actually just draw and do all my stuff. I want to animate. And then I was like, I'm going to go work for Cartoon Network. Nice. And then as I grew up more, I was like, oh, I'm going to work for Adult Swim, actually, because I really like their environment. Yeah. And I was old enough to, like, know what, it what was going on over there. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I live right over by, like, I'm not, like, right by them. It's still, like, a good drive away. But still, like, I can drive over to, like, William Street. Nice. And that's where Adult Swim and all that other stuff is there. And I love driving by there. And I'd be like, <laughs> that's where I'm going to work. That's where I'm going to work. Hell um, yeah. <laughs> vision board it. Vision board it. Literally, but now I don't want that because, mm. like, mm -hmm. all of the stuff that's been going on with how they're treating animators, but they've been doing that from jump. I oh, feel yeah. like it's just becoming more prominent nowadays. Yeah. But the disrespect's always been there, unfortunately, even though they need all of that. Yeah, definitely always been there. I feel like streaming has unfortunately really exacerbated it. I don't think I know enough about it to, like, describe why, but I know it's something about the environment of streaming and the way that's affected the market and unfortunately it always comes back to the market instead of mm -hmm. paying people well and making art <laughs> i know that a lot of times they'll even use freelance artists so that it's like quicker mm -hmm. but one of the big things because i follow this one guy 
who worked on a lot of shows that I really fucked with. He was he makes comics talking about like his emotions on the animation industry. I can't remember his Ooh. name. It's like Charlie something Gavin. It's something. I'll have to find it again. Okay. He's actually making a show called Boxtown and has like the whole pilot and stuff going on as a way to just like get away from the animation industry in a way because he'll talk about it of just like the whole streaming platform like you said it's been kind of making it a little worse yeah people will be on one show for a season and then they're done like they're not like fired but like you don't have any work so then you have to go find somewhere else to work at really really quickly and mm-hmm. he would show or write comics about how he missed having his like coworker friends, his coworker family in some way. Mm-hmm. Because back before streaming stuff happened, he was explaining that a lot of shows that you would work on or even movies, you would be with them for months or years at a time. Yeah. Like imagine Adventure Time. Adventure Time went on for years. Yeah. You're gonna be with those people for a really long time. And now that goes from that to I'm gonna see y'all for four months and that's it. That sucks. So he's like, I really miss the community there. And seeing his comics made me be like, oh, hmm, I might want to try to become more independent. And then you see now that they're trying to they're taking indie films and indie projects a little bit more seriously. Like, don't hug me. I'm scared. That came from something that was just off of YouTube. And then they just needed enough funding. I do not like like has been hotel or hell of a boss or any of that stuff. I don't really like it, but I know that it's a project that was independent at first. And now I think it's like being taken by a 24 to like make it a big thing. Mm, interesting. So it's like, this is really cool. They're seeing that there's people that have creative ideas and stuff that are trying to make it last longer than just like a season or some shit. Absolutely. So it's cool, but I could talk about the animation industry like <laughs> all day. I'm sorry, but no, you're good. Yeah. All coming back to is they've always been disrespectful <laughs> absolutely yeah and i i google it and you're i'm pretty sure you're right about the names charlie p gavin and yeah then boxtown he's making something called boxtown an adult animated film noir comedy yes i yeah. i'm keeping up with that because i just i'm so excited <laughs> hell yeah that's awesome so for the first movies so we talked about curious george and what about nanny mcphee i don't know what that is at all That's why I feel like that was the movie that I fell asleep during because I genuinely can't remember everything about it. (laughs) Because I know that was also based off of a book or some sort of story fairy tale thing. Oh, okay. She's what she sounds like. She's a nanny. And there's like a bunch of I can't remember for the life of me how many kids it was, but it's apparently a (laughs) lot of kids that needed to be taken care of. And the parents didn't know what to do kind of thing. Uh, Maybe it was an orphanage at that. It might have been an orphanage. (laughs) (laughs) Bunch of kids. It's a bunch of kids. It's a bunch of kids. (laughs) And they're all different and they have their own little like little quirks about them. They're not like magical or nothing, but they're just little (laughs) weird kids. Yeah. But um, Nanny McPhee shows up and she looks like she has warts and she looks creepy. They say she looks like a witch Mm. and she comes in, but she's able to get all the kids to do exactly what she says because she's magical in some degree. And as she's like there taking care of the kids, the kids become a little bit more disciplined time and time. They start treating each other better. They start cleaning up the house more because it's like a pigsty. And then as they're doing that, Nanny McPhee starts to look prettier. And then like, I remember the whole gimmick thing was when you 
need me but do not want me that's when i'll stay when you want me but no longer need me that's when it's time for me to go something like that that was like the whole poem thing so then as she's becoming more and more as time goes by like all of that goes away and i i don't know who the actress is who plays her but she just like looks like her instead mm-hmm. of all of the prosthetics on her face yeah. <laughs> and then she's cool but then the kids like miss her and they don't want her to leave because they've she's taught them so much and everything so they don't want her to go but she's like i have to go i have to take care of the next like delinquent children Um, (laughs) and that's like the whole thing and there's like animals and funny gimmicks and then i think the husband i feel like it wasn't an orphanage it was a mom and dad involved yeah and they just were like really exhausted or something but as everything's getting better they start to like be into each other more and stuff but i can't remember everything because i wasn't paying attention that one was live action and i was not a live action kid i was (laughs) cartoons all day and also you were burnt out because you'd already been in the theater for 90 minutes. <laughs> Literally. I was in there and I was having a great time. It was such a good, happy-go-lucky movie. Yeah. Especially the paint scene. I remember that from Curious George. I totally forgot. That was probably very, very cute for me. Oh, but yeah. I remember that I from the books. Right? But they, yeah. did, it, they did a great job with the animation. Nice. They did a great job with the special effects in Nanny McPhee. Like, I remember seeing it. Some years later, like when I was in school, they would have to put a movie on that's like simple. Yeah. So I would watch it again then. So I remember bits and pieces. But like, yeah, all I remember is like, yeah, she had a wart. (laughs) (laughs) She had a wart. Then she didn't. Then she didn't. And she was cool. And I feel like she had like some sort of creature that helped her too. like she was magical in some way. That's how she got the kids to do stuff. She had a cane and she would like hit it. And that would make the kids do whatever she told them to do. <laughs> that seems so allegorical. Like, yeah, she had a cane and she would hit definitely not the children. Definitely but... <laughs> not the children. She would just strike the ground and it would be enough to get them to do what she wanted. Like, no, oh, man. man. <laughs> and I get Nanny McPhee mixed up with Mary Poppins like so much. Yeah. But it sounds similar. They are. And it's the same kind of premise aside from she doesn't, she's not ugly than pretty, mm-hmm. but it's still the idea. Like, I think she's only there when you need her. And then she ends up going off and away in her whatever um- umbrella thing. Yeah. But I was in a musical for that. So I try to not get them mixed up because I was oh. not in a Nanny McPhee musical. Who did you <laughs> play in Mary Poppins? I was the dancers, like nice. just different dancers and stuff. We had to memorize how to spell super, super califragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm about to sing it because it was in the song. Nice. We had to do it. And then the lady who was doing the choreography, she would be like telling us how we could make our bodies look like the letters. Nice. (laughs) It was so cute. But um, I just did that and danced around. And we had two sets of like two casts two sets of the cast for um, the four different days that they were going to be doing stuff because I ended up not continuing because there was so much drama in the Mm. drama room. Wow. What? Really? (laughs) No way. (laughs) But I was just like, this is too much for me. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Um, But aside from that, they had like two sets because they needed to make sure that nobody was being um, overworked or overwhelmed with their projects and stuff. So Mm -hmm. we had like two Mary Poppins and two of the chimney dudes. I can't remember his name and two of the other main kids and shit. So it was just, it was really cute. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I love the dancing part. I was always good at the dancing. I was in Guys and Dolls. Have you heard of that musical? Yeah. You were in that too? Yeah. I was, I did the whole like, I love you, a bushel and a peck. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, that song is from that? Yes. Oh my gosh. I, okay. Major, you just like blew my mind because when I was a kid, I lived with my grandma on and off. 
And before bedtime, she would come in and, you know, tuck us kids in. Mm -hmm. And then she would sing a song. She would take requests. She'd be like, okay, what song do you want tonight? And we'd be like, oh, I want Twinkle Little Star. I want this or I want that. But she would almost always sing that song. And I thought that was a song that my grandma made up. Oh, no. (laughs) This whole time. I was like, oh, yeah, she made up that I love you song because she loves us. It's a great song. I wonder if that really came from Guys and Dolls, but that was a song that we sang from that. Okay, yeah. I don't know if it was literally from that or not, because Guys and Dolls was supposed to be like, what What? What era was that? I want to say 40s. Let me see. Right? Google. Oh, it was originally published in 1950. Really? The musical. Yeah. Well, it was adapted from, oh, a short story. The short story was published in the 30s, and then the musical came out in 1950. Oh, so then this song specifically, I feel like this was before the the movie then. Or not the movie, the musical. Right. Well, I don't know if the song was in the book or not. I don't know. Doris Day is who originally sang it, apparently. But that's cool. I love that. And then it was for the Hotbox Girls. You know what? (laughs) This entire, my entire life, and I'm I'm only 23, so it's still cool that I'm picking up on this. But my entire life, I feel like it's been paved for me to be a pothead, man. Because like, (laughs) How was I a part of the Hotbox Girls? I'm sorry. I know that's not like what that actually means, but it's just, I don't know. There's different implications, all this other stuff. But I'm just. It's destiny. I feel like it was destiny. It's okay. I'm okay with it. I'm totally okay with it. But yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're good. I love that. That's still really cool, though, that your grandma would sing that song because it's such a cute song. Yeah, it's super cute. And I love that. Like, I'm not, like, disappointed or anything. I'm just like, oh, damn. Like, my grandma saw Guys and Dolls? What? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And that was a good musical. But. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't haven't actually seen it, which I should have seen it because there are a lot of musical people in my family who, like, do, who have done musical theater. But, yeah, I haven't actually seen it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. But, yeah, I've only done it for high school stuff, but I've considered nice toyed with the idea of like oh maybe i could try again because i love doing backstage stuff yeah yeah that's fun Mm -hmm. so that movie or those movies those movies you saw with your mom and was did you say you had any siblings or it was just your mom it was just me i was an i've been an only child until i was 15 or 16 (laughs) gotcha same my mom yeah my mom had kids when i was a teenager (laughs) oh that's hilarious yeah so you've got like way younger siblings also. Mm-hmm. My yeah. um my siblings that are with my mom are seven and eight. Wait, right now? Oh, right. Because, yeah. yeah, you're younger than me. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Okay, so for that one, that was your first one with your mom. And then what was the first movie you saw in theaters without any parents or supervising adults? That took me a minute to remember, remember, because I keep wanting to say... What was that one? It wasn't really a horror horror movie, but it was like Monster House. Oh, or something. Dan Harmon had something to do with like it? Like the animated one? He did? I think so. Monster House. I'm going to search Monster House Dan Harmon. Oh my god. Computer animated. Mm-hmm. Haunted House film directed by Gil <laughs> Keenan, written by Dan Harmon, Rob Schraub, and wow. Pamela Pedler. Well... <laughs> Anyway, I keep wanting to think that would be my first one because I saw that with Cousins, but I don't think that that was right. I feel like it was the Lorax, so totally opposite 
end of the spectrum of like, oh yeah, this is such a cool movie. But like, <laughs> no, I went to go see the Lorax. It was like a late birthday thing, I feel like, because it was sometime in March. And then my mom just said that she was going to like loosely chaperone basically mm. because she would be dropping us off at the places, but then we get to go do the stuff. So she dropped us off at the movie theaters and then we had all went and saw the Lorax and we sat like right dab in the middle of the movie theater because there wasn't a lot of people and we were just all like hung hanging out oh and then we like had went to an anime store before that and I got like <laughs> I got this little plushie of soul from soul eater Aww. and then my other friend had got a plushie from black butler but we had all got our plushies and we had like went to the movie theaters <laughs> with them and oh Aww. my god oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but it was really great. It was really wonderful. Yeah. And then, like, even funnier, though, that, like, I didn't have a Tumblr at that time, right? Because my mom would not. No. But <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, barely on the internet during that time. But I was trying. I was snooping. I think the most I had was a Crunchyroll. And I was using it for the social <laughs> aspect and not for watching anime. Nice. But, um... <laughs> They had, like, toned that down. I was so sad when I found that out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because there was so many stuff on there. You could do, like, guestbook posts and stuff on people's pages and oh, dang. whatever. It was so cute. I was doing stuff. I wasn't on Tumblr, but the Lorex had came out, and I was, I don't, I'm going to just go ahead and be honest with you, but the one slur, the one slur was kind of cute. The one, one slur? What's, wait, the what was that? He was the guy. He's the guy who's like, how bad can I be? Or whatever thing. He's uh singing and he's in all green in the Lorax. He's the one that's trying to make the needs and cuts Wait. down all the trees. He has a he's wearing a hat yeah, <laughs> and, a, and a vest. <laughs> that guy? Yes, yes. But see, like again Yeah, I can see it. You can see it. I'm a little kid, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I was looking, I was like, oh, he kind of cute. And then the song that he's singing where he's like, how bad can I possibly be? All this other shit. I was just kind of <laughs> like, ooh, okay. I don't know if my friends also felt that way. And I can't remember if I was talking to them about how I was feeling at that moment or not. All I do remember is just like, I was into it. But then <laughs> like years later, I get a Tumblr and then I find out that everybody was going absolutely insane, feral over the Onceler on Tumblr. <laughs> And I'm just kind of like, wow, really? Really? Like, <laughs> so that's very interesting. And then that ended up being like one of my main spots that I would just be socializing with people for a second. And it's like, oh, so all y'all, all y'all had the hots for the one slur. Okay. <laughs> but that's so funny. It was just very interesting. But we saw that. It was really cute. Had a great time. And then my mom came and picked us up. We had our little plushies. I think we like went back home to my place. Um, I'm sure my mom has like a picture of it still of all three Aww. of us with like our freaking plushies. Yeah. And, then... <laughs> <laughs> and then we're just like all having fun. But I'm not friends with them anymore because I am moved, unfortunately. But I think about Aww. them from time to time because yeah. it's like, yeah, we went to see the Lorax. <laughs> I thought the one slur was just it. That was him. He's just a man of my dreams, man. <laughs> with the top hat and everything he had the it's the gloves and like yeah. his whole outfit it's just like oh my god okay oh yeah i see it like especially as a kid because i like googled pictures and yes i definitely saw some like tumblr posts <laughs> for sure it was it's, him like it was him and jack frost vibes. oh yeah they would put them together for some godforsaken reason i don't know but it was just they just do that it was Wait, so silly for yeah for me in high school it was it was tuxedo mask and sailor moon do y'all still like watch that do people still watch that my sister loves sailor moon and she's seven so <laughs> i think i think it's still i think it's still popping for sure well, I, I didn't know you... um oh what were you gonna say 
Oh, just I guarantee you she'll probably have a crush on Tuxedo Mask if she likes mask people, literally. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good joke. That was a good joke. I don't know, but I have to ask her now who she, I think, because do you know um, Miraculous Ladybug? No, never heard of it. Oh, my God. You should give it a watch. It's, it's, an, so it's a series? Yeah, it's a show. It's so corny. But because okay. um, <laughs> it's just for little kids, like every single episode is literally the same copy paste. <laughs> they just change the like the threat, whatever sort of issue it is. The, the climactic part is different. Gotcha. But everything else is like about the same. But it's Miraculous Ladybug and Cat Noir. But she told me she has a crush on Cat Noir. And I was like, I, I do not blame you. I do not blame you. Oh, yeah. But... They look super cute from the Google they're search. The, they're the cutest. And then the, it's like a whole love square, Ooh. but it's not supposed to be uh. because Marinette is Ladybug. Like that's her superhero alter ego or whatever. Right. But Marinette is who she is at school. Mm. And she has a crush on this dude named Adrian. Adrian is Cat Noir, mm. but they don't know that about each other. Right. Oh. So they work together. They're like a whole team together that they have to go save France because I think it's a French thing. But they're over there saving the day, not knowing that they're each other. Um, yeah. And Marinette is like super shy whenever she sees Adrian. But then <laughs> and Adrian's totally like oblivious. And then Cat Noir, hella flirtatious. Like he just has all, all the pickup lines. <laughs> and you'd be like, sure. oh. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it is with Sailor Moon and Tuxedo Mask. Because See? Sailor Moon is uh, Selena, I think, is her like alter ego her normal human version and then mm -hmm. forget tuxedo mask i want to say his name's like darren or something Some tuxedo simple. mask human <laughs> name uh, i can't find it but yeah i'm pretty sure they're like crushing on each other as regular people but then also dating as their superhero versions that is hilarious yeah see so that's the same way so maybe she do a lot of i gotta ask her later it's like do you how do you <laughs> feel about sexy i don't want to put any ideas in her head <laughs> right right <laughs> Just be yeah, like, how maybe, do you feel? Just wait for her to come to you, and she'll she'll come to you one day <laughs> about tuxedo. Mask. Like, yeah, because she was excited when she found out I even knew anything about Sailor Moon. I was like, just the bare minimum. But that was apparently the first anime that I ever watched, according to my mom. Uh -huh. I don't remember anything, but she was like, you know about Sailor Moon? Because she thought that Sailor Moon like came out last year or something. Oh, you know? Oh my gosh! That's awesome. That was about it for the Lorax, though. I don't like the movie now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I vaguely remember seeing it and not caring for it, but the one slur will always have a special place in our hearts and tumblers. Right. Let's go, one slur. I love him. <laughs> they had that whole thing where they were trying to, like, bottle air and, like, sell it. That was, mm. like, the whole thing during the Lorax. Like, some of the points in it, Solid. I will, I will uh, agree that it was good for, like, oh, my God, climate change is bad. But this oh, was yeah. back in whatever what what time what year did this come out 2012 probably oh yeah you're right 2012 yeah oh cool but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like back then they were really trying because that was the whole thing like the one slur was cutting down all the trees to make needs he was saying that and then all of that and then the dude being like super money hungry and grubby and yeah. want to do stuff i get that that's cool I'll, I'll let them have that but it's it's a movie i don't yeah. like it yeah, movies can, movies can have a good message, even if it's not necessarily an enjoyable movie, for sure. I'm so sorry, by the way, if you hear any gunshots. There oh. are people, um, like, they have a, a shooting range, like, right in their backyard. So they oh, just okay. I was yeah, going like, to be like, do you need to evacuate? What? No, 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 no. But if you hear it, that's what that is. I don't want you to be worried at all. It's okay. They okay, do I don't it. think so. Zoom is pretty good at filtering out background noise, usually. So oh, that's I good. probably Thank won't God. hear it. 
but yeah i hear it plain as day so i got really worried but. dang yeah no so far i don't hear anything so you're good good Okay, cool. So that was the first movie you saw in theaters without any parents, and it was a blast and a magical memory. Mm-hmm. Now, other than the feature film we're going to talk about today, please tell me about one of your favorite movies of all time and why it's one of your favorites. Definitely one, not the all-time favorite, but one yeah. of my favorites. Because <laughs> I, I, ooh, but um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be nice to my inner child a little bit and say it was Aquamarine. It was this mermaid movie. I can't remember. That JoJo actress is in it. I can't remember the rest of her name. Oh, okay, okay. It's so cute. 2006, Emma Roberts and Sarah Paxton. Oh, the JoJo actress, Haley Rogers. Is that her name? Why was her name JoJo? I don't know. (laughs) Why was her name JoJo? Oh, that must have just been in the... Oh, okay, that was in the... No, I'm genuinely confused. Okay, that's okay. 2008. Is this the right movie? 2006 right American movie. teen fantasy romantic comedy. <laughs> Absolutely. That is exactly. That is that's a perfect way to describe that movie too. Absolutely perfect. I did not know that this motherfucking movie is almost 2 hours. Dang. It is almost 2 hours. Wow. <laughs> that's impressive. And I watched this I watched this religiously. So Dang. that's what's getting me. I'm just like so I just sit there for 2 hours. And some change. And I'm looking at the dude. So the Jake McDormand guy who's mm-hmm. supposed to be Raymond, he's supposed to be like the love interest. It's really funny looking at what he looks like now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's the whole thing. There was a really bad storm that happened and she gets washed up into a like a pool place. But it was like a store specifically for that. So you could go get like all of your necessary supplies or whatever. Somebody owned it. It was a shell shop or something gotcha but they had all of that and they had a pool there and so aquamarine got like washed into it and Mm -hmm. it was i think the at the same time that the storm was going on claire and Haley, who are emma roberts and jojo they're best friends and they're trying to make like a wish because one of them is moving away and the other one's staying so they're trying to make a wish about something and then that's when the storm happens and aquamarine shows up and they find her in the pool and they're like holy fuck it's a mermaid but they're like not like that but (laughs) they're trying to be like oh my god and they don't believe her and stuff. But then she um, is able to transform to, you know, a human. And it's just if she touches water, then she'll turn into a mermaid, typical mermaid stuff. Her dad told her that she had to prove to him that true love exists, basically. Her her merman dad? Yep. Yep. Poseidon or something. <laughs> I don't know if it's Poseidon specifically, but he's in yeah. control of the sea because he's the one who fucked up the like made it really bad. So he was just like doing all that. He's like, yeah, you have to prove to me that true love exists and some, some, some. She's just like, yeah, you guys have to help me. If you help me, I can grant you a wish because I'm a mermaid. So that's like how the three of them become friends. And then she starts crushing on the love interest guy. But that's literally the same guy that the two girls are also crushing on because he's a mm. motherfucking lifeguard. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, so they do find out that true love exists. Obviously, it's not with that guy. Because that was, like, the whole thing. I really feel like maybe that would explain why I was so, like, pushy with the guys that I had crushes on when I was younger. Mm -hmm. But she was extremely pushy because she would, like, go... I think she went on maybe, like, two dates tops with the guy. And she would, like, have a great time and doing all this stuff. And then she, like, kind of hits him with the, so, do you love me? And he's like, (laughs) 
I'm like spending time with you. <laughs> like, no, you have to, cause she has a time limit. Like I think three days. So, <laughs> so she's trying to get him to say it. And he's just kind of like, no, I don't really feel like that about you, but I would be like, it was like, so you trying to, you want to date me, right? <laughs> so I was really like that, but it's true love with the two other girls that were like helping her and they care about her and miss her so much and all of that. So her dad believes that and then like lets her be. And I thought that was so sweet. Like it's just really heartfelt thing. And then she gives them starfish earrings. And that's the <laughs> one thing that I will never take a like never let go from this movie. <laughs> They're starfish earrings and they like suction to your ear, just like little clip-ons might as well. And they say positive affirmations in your oh ear. Gosh. Oh, oh my gosh, so cool. <laughs> and it's so cute because she just, she said they're like massive suck ups. So they just say like really, really cute things to you. <laughs> um, and I'm just like, that's adorable. So Aquamarine like gave them one each. I think they said like really sweet things about each other to each other so that they could still have each other. They still had the starfish thing and that was so cute. And I was like, Ma, I want that. <laughs> I want a starfish earring that speaks yeah. to me and is so sweet to me. And it was just a really cute movie. She even, like, there was one scene where she's in the bathtub. So she's touching water and she has the mermaid tail and she's eating, like, copious amounts of ice cream because she's really <laughs> sad about the dude not being like, yeah, I don't, I, I love you. And she's like, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But it's just really cute moments. I liked it. But I could definitely tell in that movie she was significantly older than everybody else. And so was the dude that she was interested in, which I guess is fine. But like, I could tell. Yeah. But other than that, that's my favorite because it was really cute. Taught me about different forms of love, maybe in a non not so healthy way and then a sort of healthier way when I looked at it again later. Yeah, I really love the because I also looked at the Wikipedia for it. And and from what you said, also, I love that the message of the movie overall is that it's the power of these girls friendship that is actually like the most magical thing. And she doesn't mm -hmm. end up with the guy at the end. I, I love that. And then it's also super funny because you were watching it as an impressionable, impressionable young girl. And yet that message <laughs> did not like settle in. Not at all. <laughs> I have, I have found, yeah, which I have found is the case a lot. Like there's stuff that I saw when I was younger too, that had these good messages. And then I just took away the bad part only. <laughs> and I wonder maybe if there was a way to re organize the story because maybe it's because the first thing you do see is oh my god she's pining after that guy it has to be true love and you yeah. just you get that and then like then the movie ends and you're like oh all I take away from that is she didn't get with him but <laughs> right and also from what you're describing it sounds like the whole where she's pursuing him is like very funny and interesting and fun right yes it's so a literal like montage yeah, that's like appealing. It's like, oh yeah, that looks exciting. Yes, I was like, <laughs> I want to oh, eat yeah. ice cream in the bathtub. <laughs> yes, it was so great. So I took all of that, but I get it. And then like they tried to make the whole scene where like they're all crying, and then the tear drops into the water, and that's like her dad is able to sense that like, oh, that's true love. Um, yeah, between her and her friends. <laughs> yeah, so I remember that very vividly too. But yeah, definitely when I was looking at it, I just kept being like, I'm gonna be a mermaid. I'm yes. going to get people to be like interested in me. Yeah. But yeah, it was a great movie, but you're right. Definitely didn't take away uh, the positive parts of it, but I, I liked it for what it was. I wanted to be a mermaid so bad. I'm a Pisces at heart. So <laughs> I wanted to be a mermaid real bad, but that's definitely one of my favorites. I watched it on DVD 
like over and over and over and over again. I watched that and The Little Mermaid and uh, Despicable Me like over and over and over again. Oh, man. OK, <laughs> I have a recommendation for you, a movie to recommend to you that I loved as a kid. Okay. Uh, let me make sure I'm going to say the name right. Yeah, it's a 1994 movie called The Secret of Roan Inish. Secret have you heard of it? it? I've never heard of it. Yeah, Roan Inish, it's spelled R-O-A-N-I-N-I-S-H. Got it. And it takes place in Ireland, and it's about, like, uh, Selkies. Do you know about the Irish, like, folklore of Selkies? No, what's that? It's women that can, or sorry, it's seals that turn into women, usually. Oh, my God! Yeah, <laughs> so it's, like, sort of a parallel parallel story to that but i was obsessed with this movie as a as a kid and it's just a very like i rewatched it recently and it's a very comforting just like i don't know how to describe it it's a very comforting movie it has sad parts for sure mm -hmm. but it's like fun and fantastical and folklory and it's a good one that sounds like a good one and i love folklore stuff and you already had me with i love seals oh so nice <laughs> perfect those those are so great but i'm very definitely gonna give seals. this a watch because yeah i'm I love mermaid stuff or like underwater things. One of the other movies that I like, I wrote down all the movies that I thought would be like my one of my favorites that I'd talk about. Nice. But one of them is also about water and it's the Children of the Sea. Mm -hmm. That's on Netflix, but I like it because it's so artistic. Mm. So not one of my top, top, top ones, but yeah. it's, it's beautiful. Definitely everybody should watch it but because <laughs> um, it's so pretty. But mm -hmm. that has stuff to do with, like, underwater. I love ocean stuff. I love space stuff, even though it scares the shit out of me. Mm, same. But I just love it. It's so fun. So any kind of movies like that. Thank you for the recommendation. Yeah. I like <laughs> no that. And this one's almost two hours, too. <laughs> yeah. When it's about water, you need more oh, time. Right? And <laughs> how long was the Titanic? Oh, gosh. I don't know, but I know it was on two VHS tapes when it came out. <laughs> see, see, it's something about the water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Titanic was three hours. What? Dang, I can't believe I sat that long in the theater when it came you out. You sat at the theater? Yeah, my mom took me to see it when I was eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised. Eight years old, you were able to not act a fool because i would have been acting <laughs> out at like the two hour mark god yeah. there's like there's still an hour left yeah no i loved it at the time i don't know well, what i think good. of it now but yeah <laughs> this is the space where the ads go Hey everybody, I'm Amber. And I'm Maddie. And, and we're, we're Witches Talking, Talking Tarot. Tarot. And we've brought you a show all about the occult. We're talking different lores and mythology. Yes, creature features, cryptids, aliens, you name it, we'll cover it. Conspiracy theories. Absolutely. And pagan holidays and 100%, all eight of them, yes. Spiritual living, you yeah. name it. That's right, we've got it for you. So if you want, come sit with us for a spell and let us make you laugh. We are Witches Talking Tarot. Thanks everybody. What's new listeners? I'm Audra Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. Here on the program, we give reviews and recaps for books, movies, and TV shows, with a whole bunch of special guests who join in on the banter and breakdowns. Maybe you want to hear about a contemporary romance novel, like The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Or maybe you want to hear about an MCU show, like She-Hulk. Or how about the best movie of 2022? Or at least, that's my opinion. 
everything ever all at once. You can hear all of these discussions and more on Two Cents Critic. The featured film we are discussing today, chosen by Spiri, was based on a science fiction novel written by Yasutaka Tsutsui. This story first appeared in Marie Claire magazine in four parts from 1991 to 1993, and a manga adaptation of the novel was created by Reiji Hagiwara in 1995, but was not published until 2003, three years before the release of this movie. The novel was Tutsui's last writing before he announced his retirement from writing in 1991. However, he resumed writing four years later. This film, adapted from the novel, was directed and co-written by filmmaker and animator Satoshi Kon, and it was his last feature film before he passed away in 2010. The budget for this film was approximately 300 million yen, and the production took about two and a half years from planning to completion. The movie premiered at the Venice Film Festival in September 2006 and then at numerous festivals around the world the following year, while being released at just three select theaters in the Kanto region of Japan in November 2006, where it grossed over 3 million yen on its first two days. It continued to reap a profit in Japanese theaters for months afterwards. In the US, the film was initially released in only two theaters in May 2007, one in LA and one in New York but then was gradually expanded to be shown on over 80 screens throughout the United States during a limited run. For anime, this was a far cry from record-breaker Pokemon the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back, which released on over 3,000 screens, but other than Pokemon and Studio Ghibli films, it was uncommon for Japanese anime to be released theatrically in the U.S. at this time, with almost no anime releases that spanned the entire U.S. Thus, the scale of this film's release, reaching over 80 theaters across the states, was quite large for an anime film. This film grossed an overseas total of just under $1 million and made 100 million yen in January 2007 alone in Japan, though I could not find its total box office yield for Japan. Suffice to say, it was a hit. Yeah. The movie we are talking about today is Paprika! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for selecting this movie for us, Spiri. Before we dive into talking on it further, tell me, in your opinion, what are the most important things that happen in this movie? To me, I feel like any points that have to do with Detective Konakawa, who is the main character that you first get introduced to, having night terrors and he's trying to get all that stuff fixed up any of those parts that are delving deeper into his mind figuring out what's going on with the sort of guilt that he's been carrying because he's like a really old guy he doesn't look old but he's like a really old guy apparently <laughs> so he's been harboring like this guilt over his friend and not actually pursuing stuff in film like he wanted to and stuff like that for a really long time and that's been following him in his dreams. So I feel like any of those points are really important to me because like I always think like it's good to interpret your dreams. I think it's really nice to figure out if something is especially like what is it called when it's repetitive? 
a recurring dream. Oh, yeah, yeah. If it's a recurring dream like that, that that has to be meaning something to you. That has to be trying to give you a sign about something or telling you something or reminding you something. I don't know. Yeah. So I very much think that that was the same thing for him in terms of he kept seeing um, him killing himself, basically. Like that was like that whole thing going on or he came to that epiphany at some point. And it was like the more epiphanies, the more information that he would pick up from repeating the dream and going into it more, the more he would realize like, oh, this is because me and my friend, we were supposed to finish that movie together and we didn't. And it was like super painful. And then his uh, best friend had passed away before they could even finish it. So he feels guilt from that. But he didn't. He'd like it's there. And there's so much stuff that our brains hide from us. And that's so scary to me sometimes because it's just like you never know. Like there could have been something super horrifying that happened or super really like shitty, just not fun. Um, And you're just like not knowing about it and it's coming up in your subconscious in your dreams so I feel like that's one of the like big parts I know when I first watched it I was not paying attention to that but um, (laughs) because I had like I was just like oh wow this is so sick oh wow but um and I was just kind of carrying on but I do feel like just any of the transitions from reality to dreams those are really important because at the end of it it even talks about like you're constantly dreaming that's like that's how they're able to hack into other people's minds and stuff like that because we're all constantly dreaming oh wait am i supposed to like talk about it talk about it first so then people know what's going on yeah (laughs) just like yeah like an overview of like i'm so sorry oh no you're good you're good uh because i mean i'm assuming that people if people are listening they've either seen it or they're going to watch it or look like read stuff about it but yeah like a brief overview i guess of like of the story Okay, okay. I'm so sorry. No, no, but, you're good. Because that'll make it that'll make it a whole lot easier. So <laughs> apparently, because I had to go do like a little bit extra research, and I'm happy that I looked at it subbed and dubbed because that gave me more information too mm. for some stuff that I just kind of didn't understand in the English one. Oh, cool. Because I didn't understand who they kept saying he was the chairman, mm. but I don't know who he was a chairman of. But, yeah, <laughs> um, so I was just really confused. But there is a psychiatric research firm, whatever thing yeah. going on institute. That's what it's called going on that he's the chairman of. And they just started making this thing called a DC mini, which is supposed to help people delve into their dreams and stuff like that more. And you can look at them. And it'll play back just like you were looking at a movie or something. And it'll just be there on the computer and stuff. Paprika, who uses the DC Mini as a therapy thing, which I think is so cool because I think that would be so great if we could do that. Mm-hmm. But um, she's using it as a therapy thing for her patient, da- uh, Detective Konakawa, who's been having like recurring dreams about a circus and like a bunch of other trippy stuff that he can't really make sense out of and then a gunshot thing going on so they're trying to make sense of that turns out that she's like part of this other woman who works at the institute for the psychiatric research and there's an issue somebody took the dc mini and they're trying to get it back before people start having psychotic breaks because they're dreaming and that's what ends up happening constantly and at some point further down into like the climactic part of the movie reality and dreams merge into one because the chairman who actually like because I kept getting confused that was the thing that was confusing me was like okay is he for the DC mini or is he against the DC mini and the people working for it or what but I figured it out he's just all against it he doesn't like it at all 
He just yeah. happens to be the chairman there. And he's just like, no, I think dreams are the only safe haven for uh, people. We should not be trying to tap into it. Science is bad. We shouldn't be going this far <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. And so like, yeah, dreams and reality converge. So I feel like the most important parts are the ones where they're using the DC mini for good. And they're trying to like get the therapy sessions and figure out what's going on. Because there's even like they imply it. Or I guess they just flat out say it with the, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's the one with the big glasses, like the super old guy. Oh, yeah. Dr. Shima. Dr. Shima. So the one with the glasses, he ends up having that whole poor guy. I felt really bad when he jumped out that window, man. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a dream, but it really did happen, right? Yeah, he actually fell. And that's what they were trying to help out. But they were like, it could have been worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that I don't know sense. how it wasn't worse. <laughs> yeah. But he was good. He had the bandages all over him and junk too. <laughs> Movie magic. Movie magic, man. He just hopped out there. <laughs> but yeah. with him, he had implied that paprika helped him cure his depression and stuff like that. So I feel like I really hope that maybe one day people can look at paprika in the sense of maybe the DC mini isn't something that's like too far-fetched in the sense of like just recording and logging your dreams. Oh, the argument with Chiba and Tokita. He's the Tokita is the main one who created the DC. The movie. other scientist. He's like the genius, boy genius, yeah. whatever thing. Yeah. But he's like a grown man. But <laughs> yeah. I didn't like how mean they were about how fat he was, but I'm just Yeah. I felt really bad. I was just like, you don't have to be that harsh. Yeah. I guess like I don't know. Different different times. I don't know. And even with Chiba, because then I was really confused when I first watched the movie with their dynamic mm. and how it was going. Because I was just like, she hates him. <laughs> <laughs> she like has to hate him, right? Like this can't be. But I feel like any dynamics with them, those moments with them are really important to me now that I'm looking back at it and stuff. I've looked at it four or five times now. She really likes him. And I feel like Chiba being a part of paprika and vice versa however you want to see it that just goes to show that she's playful in a way just the same way that tokita is to me she's like the perfect combination of playful and practical and i don't know if that's just because she's part of chiba or what because i'm still kind of confused on like where did paprika come from you know what i mean yeah because like did it just spring up from the dc mini was that something that chiba had before the dc mini or what i wonder to me, yeah, Paprika, all of those stuff, the way that she plays around and it's just very, she reminds me of a big kid in the same way that Tokita is a big kid. Chiba just has that like, no, we have to get things done. We have to be responsible. And I feel like Paprika has that balance. So she'll still kind of fuck around and do whatever she want because she over there uh, becoming a therapist for Detective <laughs> Konakawa. Yeah. Then she doing whatever, but she still understands that she needs to get stuff done. But I feel like those are really big, impactful points to me. Once I started looking into it more, just real big emphasis on like paprika is a really good combo of just like being able to be free, but then like know when you have to get shit done. And then there's symbolism that there's symbolism in just like not just your dreams, but in reality, too, because there was a lot of symbolism going on even before like the stuff was merging and uh, becoming you couldn't tell what was a dream and what wasn't kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Those are the main ones that I think are like important to me. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me about the first time that you watched the movie. Where, who did you watch it with and how did you respond then? And then tell me how your response has changed over time, if it has. 
So the very first time that I watched it, I had watched it on like my beat up laptop. <laughs> I was sitting. It's really funny because I'm in the same spot that I'm in now that I watched it. I think it was like 2017. I was still in high school. I had to have still been in high school when I first watched it. And I'm sitting on my laptop. It was just me. I would have been nice to have watched it with other people. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to, I'm actually trying to get my mom to watch it and my grandparents to watch it. Ooh, fun. But <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully we can get there and then I'll watch it with them. It'll be cool. Yeah. But I watched it by myself the first time. Of course, like I said, all I really took from it was trippy ass movie. This is so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> and it was really cool and I liked it and I love dreams and it was really fun. And I was like, I want to be paprika so bad. And it's just like, <laughs> that was, that was really what I was taking from it. That's how I felt. It was a little scary for me. Like some points it would be like a little spooky i don't want to say scary because it's not like i was screaming or nothing but you know just suspenseful apparently yeah. this is in like the thriller like a uh, mystery th thriller thing so yeah honestly i had the thought while watching it that well as far as movies i've seen this is the only movie that should that is just like pure psychological horror like it's not horror in the sense of like blood and guts and monsters mm -hmm. it's just like in the horror of it is entirely psychological in a way that when people say psychological horror, they usually mean something else and it involves like blood and stuff. But right, this... or just something that's gonna scare you, scare you. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a different, it's like a, its own genre almost. It really is. And I hope, I wanna find more movies like that or more things that give me that energy mm. just because I like it so much. It gives me like liminal space vibes, man. Like, mm -hmm. just like, mm -hmm. oh, it's so good. But I guess that's just because it's a dreamy state. It's like a, the whole thing is so dreamy. Somebody had said, like, you never even know, like, what if the ending of the movie was just like a part of a dream in itself, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, well, fuck, you just messed me up. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> when I was first looking at it, though, yeah, I was just seeing it for what it was with the dreams. It was really, un it was unnerving. I guess I could put it that way. Especially the whole part with being inside of the butterfly room when Paprika gets captured mm -hmm. and she's inside of there. And then I think his name is Osanai. Osanai's behavior, disgusting. Oh, the guy who has a crush on Chiba. Yeah, just weird. Yeah. Weird behavior. Because it was like a little bit implied with the Himuro guy. That was the first dude that they thought was initially in the one that took the DC Mini. But yeah, he was the like... former researcher, they thought he came back and stole it. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't actually him. But they had yeah. like showed like a little brief moment inside of his room of like the gay porn that he just oh, had yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I kept wondering every time I would go by that scene, I was just like, why did they show that? What was the Why? I'm really confused like what were they trying to put there two and two together but then I found out in the book it was more so implied that he was like I don't know how to put it what were you gonna or it was more it was more overt that he was gay in the book yeah oh, yeah okay or that they're saying like he was a depraved homosexual apparently mm -hmm. and like yeah because I know he wasn't outward about it because I know in Japan gay marriage is not legal and they're still pretty like uh, homophobic yeah mm -hmm. pretty homophobic in japan generally the, the and then the general this came out societal. in 2006 at that so yeah so it was definitely worse then for sure very interesting though but they were trying to say that yeah himuro they said that himuro was gay and then uh that os and i had to do sexual favors with Himuro for the chairman for some oh. reason. I was like, whoa, where is that going in? I'm so confused. I didn't but even I catch guess that. that. I didn't catch that at all, but it makes sense now because he made that stank face mm. at, the, at the books, but I just thought he was making it like, oh, it's yeah. so messy. But like, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it was super messy in there. Yeah. It's like, no, he's getting flashbacks. And then somebody had implied it there too when he was talking to Paprika and she was saying stuff and he started screaming about it, like, shut up. So it was there too. I was just like, mm-hmm. that's crazy. So there was like, there's so many layers to it that they couldn't delve into, yeah. even though this is a pretty lengthy movie, in my opinion. I mean, it could be longer. It could have been longer. Yeah, I know Satoshi Khan talked about that. Like, he was hesitant at first to make it into a movie because he said, like, the it's, you know, it's broken up over mm-hmm. four novels or, like, four sort of not manga, but, like, right. manga-type novels, kind of. Yeah, he was like, I don't know if we can really capture this whole, the whole depth of this thing. And so he did, like, adapt it. Like, it truly is an adaptation. Mm-hmm. So they did have to cut out some of the, like, context that might make some things make more sense. And that just makes me think like, damn, maybe I should just go read all of that because I yeah. love this so much. So <laughs> if I can get, that's how I felt when I was looking at it the next several times. Cause, and then that's the thing too. I had always looked at it dubbed. Mm. So I never really thought anything of it. I thought that the voices are really funny because <laughs> I thought if she was being really going off in the dub, that must've meant that she wouldn't have been so mean to Tokita during that argument scene. But I was wrong. She still yeah. said the same exact thing. Yeah. <laughs> She's very mean. She's so mean. That's why I'm like, damn, y'all getting married now? Hold on. When I first saw it, I wasn't retaining any of this context. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't even really understand why Osanai was being so weird towards Paprika or Chiba. I just thought, like, why is he being like this? Didn't really add up. And I definitely didn't understand what was going on with the chairman. So maybe that was why the only thing I could really take away from it was like, ah, it was trippy. It was so crazy. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Was this the first time that you, the this most recent watching, was this the first time you watched it subtitled? Yep. Oh, okay, so I'm so curious to know, because I only watched the subtitled version. I didn't get a chance to watch the dubbed, but I'm so curious to hear your comparison between the two. Like, tell me, tell me everything that you noticed about the differences. I know you've told me some already. I wrote some down of, like, the big, big ones that I thought were noticeable. Mm-hmm. Aside from, like, you know, being more snippy (laughs) in the dub version in the dub they're very snippy with each other gotcha and that's okay because it was really entertaining and then like the voices are silly and stuff another thing that i noticed is that there's a very clear tone difference or tone in the way that paprika speaks versus how chiba speaks in the dub like you can definitely tell she's very like monotone when she speaks as chiba Mm. but she's a lot more upbeat when she speaks as paprika and i'm pretty sure it's still the same voice actor because sometimes there's moments there's a part where like she's kind of talking to the chairman as chiba but in the dub it sounds like paprika's voice it's like flat out mm-hmm. she's just like ah, da, 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 da. but then in the sub i noticed like you can't really hear the difference that well it's basically the same tone she sounds a little bit more chipper a little bit but not mm-hmm. nearly as much as like the other one so you can tell that but i liked that honestly because it would be cool whenever you would see chiba talking but it sounded like paprika another thing i noticed was any of the scenes where the chairman is talking those mm. made so much more sense to me now mm. when i looked at it subs because dubbed it just he just seemed angry he just seemed like he was <laughs> had an attitude i almost had half a mind to be like does he want to be a researcher instead of a chairman i'm really yeah. confused on why he's so mad yeah and be like we have to shut it down no more research i just didn't get that so and it definitely didn't translate that well to me when i was looking at it dubbed i kept thinking like what is his deal and then when he like becomes the darkness or whatever and he's taking over the dream state and reality and he's controlling shit definitely didn't understand what was going on there i was just kind of like did you did you just want to not be uh 
like you wanted to use your legs again, right? That's that's where we're going here. I really didn't understand where his motivation was at, you know? Mm-hmm. But with the subs, it makes perfect sense now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just so happy. I'm glad that I looked at it subbed at all because I really still would have been like, I don't know what the chairman's deal was. <laughs> I have no idea what his issue was. So what what is his motivation? To me, what I got is that he really just thought he he kept calling himself in the sub not as much in the dub the guardian of dreams so oh, i right, feel yeah. like in the same way maybe paprika and the guardian of dreams however that goes maybe they existed before the dc mini these are my theories i don't know mm-hmm. but i feel like maybe that's how that works and that's why they kept chasing each other back and forth that was like a symbolic thing that was going on when they kept going through those dreams and stuff so that made me wonder like okay so he's the guardian he is not cool with this terrorist paprika <laughs> <laughs> taking over dreams and he feels like that's the only safe space and right. then at the same time that the scenes or the moments with the chairman were making sense the moments where they would be poetic about uh daytime residents and nighttime residents that started to click to me too he's just a nighttime resident and he's like, stop trying to come into nighttime residence issues. Get out of here. <laughs> so he's really like that. And Paprika's like, nah, we can mesh it together. Let's do it. Yeah. And he doesn't want that. So I feel like that's where his motivation was coming from. That started to make more sense to me. Subbed. Oh, there was another thing that really stuck out to me with the difference in the dub where the parade is coming in and like reality. You can't make sense of reality and dreams and stuff. Yeah. Everybody... In the dub, they say, no more anger. The world is happy and mundane. Mm. And they just keep chanting that. To me, that sounds a little bit different than what it says in the sub, which is the happy and mundane world will vent their anger. So that just... Wait, so the dub says... Wait, can you say it again? Sorry. The dub says, no more anger. The world is happy and mundane. Uh And the sub says, the happy and mundane world will vent their anger yeah that's super different the, but the like second... when you what does this sound how does this sound different to you because i was trying to figure it out too but like the sub the sub sounds like they're expressing their anger so like anger is happening the dub makes it sound like they're repressing anger like the opposite right. and that's like because i kept trying to read it like they use the same words it's so interesting how you can just switch it up a little bit and it has a totally different meaning in that way yeah and then the whole thing of it saying the happy and mundane world will vent their anger like that just sounds so different to me the no more when i first heard it because again i watched this movie over and over again dubbed and i heard no more anger the world is happy and mundane Mm -hmm. to me that made me think like oh my god everybody who was like upset in reality they can't be upset anymore because ain't nothing to be mad about we're a dream we're just (laughs) gonna keep walking this parade everything's gonna be happy go lucky sunshine and rainbows it's all fine we're in a dream that's what it made me think of but this is totally now i'm seeing it as like the happy and mundane world maybe that means the dream that that could mean the dream world is venting out like yo you guys can't keep coming into our space yeah yeah, it probably is something more like that because I know there's a quote from Satoshi Khan, the filmmaker, that I didn't write down, but the gist of it was kind of that the movie, overall message of the movie was about finding that balance between dreams and reality because mm. he wanted to point out that if you lose yourself in dreams and you just kind of got your head head in the clouds all the time, that that can be just as dangerous as like never having dreams and never putting your head in the clouds. Right. So I think the the subtitle for that makes more sense with right? his message. 
And I'm that's why I'm so glad that I looked at the subs for once instead of just kept looking at the dub because I was like, oh, yeah, everybody's happy because they're dreaming. But it's like totally not. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think those were like the main parts that I noticed different. Again, I'm very happy because it just helped me understand and process the movie a lot better instead awesome. of just how it was. So I'm so glad I looked at it both ways. <laughs> cool. I love that. Yeah, I love I love doing both as well. I did the same thing with the the Pokemon movie because I we just did episode fifty six. We did the Pokemon movie, mm -hmm. and I I did have time for that one to watch both English and then uh, English dub and then subtitle. Was there version. a lot of differences? Oh my gosh, it's so different and it's so funny. <laughs> so with the original Japanese version, they cut out the first twelve minutes. There's like twelve minutes what? in the Japanese version that they cut out for English release, and I could only find it on the high seas to to even find the original. I think those twelve minutes provide a lot of context for the movie. Have you seen the Pokemon movie, the first one? I have, but I don't remember anything from it. Okay, well, the whole thing is that, like, they genetically engineered Mewtwo from yep. Mew. Mm -hmm. And the first 12 minutes of the movie are showing that process, how they created what? Mewtwo. Yeah, like, how it how Mewtwo was born and why. Like, Mewtwo was created because a scientist's daughter died. And so Mewtwo was, like, they were going to put their daughter's consciousness in Mewtwo and, like, the daughter would live on type of thing. But yeah, that's just completely missing from the English. So you don't even know the, uh, the scientists. You don't know that there was a daughter, a dead daughter. And, and I feel like that makes people, that would make people more angry about Mewtwo or see him as a villain even more so because yeah. we didn't get that extra context. <laughs> yeah, because in the English version, it really is like, well, he kind of has a point. You're making all the Pokemon fight each other. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, I just don't like it. <laughs> But it's like, no, there's so much there. He's so layered. Yeah. So that's okay, though. That makes me think more that whenever I look at media that has to be translated in some way, I'm probably going to look at it both ways. Yeah. Just moving forward, because like you could be missing vital information or maybe not vital, but it'll just like literally change the perspective. Yeah, because the other big thing was like the Pokemon movie, the English version is is like famous for having this this message about like not fighting and about being at peace with each other. Mm -hmm. But in the Japanese version, all of that dialogue is not there. Like they just all of that was just written by the Americans who adapted it. <laughs> like what? Yeah, they really just put their little fan fiction in there. They really did. They were just like, <laughs> we need because there really is no message of the the original Japanese one. I think the creators have even said like, yeah, no, there's no message really. Like there's like other than the message about like grief and stuff from the beginning of the movie, which was cut out. So they re they changed it. They changed the meaning completely <laughs> for for that movie. They said no grief, <laughs> no, no grief, grief, only peace, only just 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 peace. <laughs> yeah, so it's super interesting. I definitely always recommend to watch both if you if you can if they're available. Right, but oh, I'm sorry because that did derail Loki. But oh, you're good. First time looking at it, no substance. I didn't get nothing out of it other than yeah. Now looking at it over and over again, and especially looking at the subtitled version, I'm getting so much more from it. I still feel that energy of like, I want to be like Paprika. Mm -hmm. She's cool. I just, she's so cool. How yeah. can you not? I just feel like I more so want to be practical and playful like her in that same sense yeah. of just like, I'm 
balanced. That perfect balance. Exactly. And just she's she's cool. She's really cool. But I was getting that and then just more stuff about the dreams. The fact that I was my mom got me this book. Uh, it's called The Four Agreements. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I have it, and I only read like the first chapter. <laughs> oh my god, finish reading it. Okay, but like, because <laughs> this is really good. But my mom, she got it for me because she said she got it like two or three times before, but people kept taking it from her. Um, <laughs> I was just like, dang, that sucks. But then I started reading it. And I was like, oh, I kind of, I don't blame them, but like, it also <laughs> kind of sucks that they still did that. But I see, I see. Yeah. In this one, it talks so heavily about, well, first of all, it was saying that we're constantly dreaming, even when we're awake and conscious and stuff like that. This is all a dream. Mm. Reality in itself is just one big collective dream. And that's why it's so crazy mm. <laughs> because mm -hmm. so much stuff is going on. And that's how they're saying it in the book. That sounded so similar to how they were talking about what was happening with that giant collective dream that was yeah. like taking over shit and then before it becomes a part of reality and everything so i was just like holy shit that helped me understand the movie a little bit better of just like how things were happening mm. specifically like the ending scene where paprika's talking about light and dark man and woman dreams reality one can't exist without the other type shit mm. i definitely feel that way about you know certain things because light and dark and it made sense i was happy more so that the movie itself was following its own logic in that way mm. because uh darkness showed up with the chairman when he was doing his whole i'm gonna take over the world become thanos kind of thing mm. i don't know what he was trying to do because <laughs> he said that he was purifying the area but then like it made it look like he put smog everywhere yeah so i was really like how are you what are you purifying <laughs> i was really confused but he was doing that becoming the lord of darkness thing paprika slash chiba shows up and eats him up but then in her doing that she can't exist anymore so then she disappears too that's the end of it mm -hmm. so it's just like one can't exist without the other kind of thing so i feel like i was getting so many little little gems that were just in here and i'm <laughs> mad that i'm only getting them like i started picking them up after like the third time i watched it mm -hmm. um and i was a little bit older and i wasn't just trying to look at it for the ooh. yeah <laughs> i was starting to pick up more things i started to feel that whole desire of like being paprika less and less and more so just like embodying the stuff that she talks about mm. or practices there's a show like atlanta yeah i think it's the third not the last season but the second to last season van vanessa who's like one of the main girls in it mm -hmm. she's like going off the deep end she's like doing the most uh crazy things acting out she's hitting people with a stale baguette <laughs> um, she's just doing like out-of-pocket stuff and she was just saying she's just like i'm never gonna see these people again i can do whatever i want mm. so she was really acting so free and me and my friend were watching it together and i kept being like god i want to be like van i want to be like van i want to be like van and then like near the end she starts having like a mental breakdown because she's realizing like oh my god i've been repressing so many different things i'm not okay mm. and i was like oh i don't want to be like van. <laughs> yeah. be like van. so it's kind of that same energy because i really felt that about paprika I was like i want to be like paprika right so from today onward i'm gonna be like paprika yeah after that and then it's just kind of like no it's not working that way and there's not all of it that i want from her again it's just what she embodies of being practical and playful having fun 
either way, I'm happy that I've rewatched it so many times because again, the first time I looked at it, nah, I was not retaining anything, but now I am. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a lot a lot to get out of this movie and a lot of stuff that you can miss on a first watch. Absolutely. I before we get to our last question, I have one more movie recommendation for you, Ooh. and I haven't seen it in a long time, so don't cancel me if it's bad now. But okay. if you if you like that like dreamy feel where you're like you don't kind of don't know what's happening and it's like blending dream and waking life and <laughs> dreams there's a movie from 2001 called waking life oh and i think that you would enjoy it and i haven't seen it since probably 2007 i know i liked it then so hopefully it holds up i like his name richard linklater no uh i guess the guy in the movie is wiley wiggins oh <laughs> so funny <laughs> i forgot about that that's really cute yeah check that okay, one out okay i have it saved now here okay cool so our last question is how would you say that this movie paprika has changed or affected your life definitely has me excited for the dc mini of our days <laughs> oh i can't wait i'm gonna be i'm gonna be front row testing it because <laughs> i just i love dreams Nobody knows your subconscious mind like you know it. And even then you don't know it all the way. Yeah. So and that definitely was something that made me see stuff differently. It didn't really change my life up until recently, like when I started looking at it and rewatching it more. And I guess because it was connecting so hard with the freaking book I was reading. Because I was just <laughs> like, oh, OK. <laughs> and I've also been having like crazy dreams lately, too. So I was just like, OK, what's happening? Oh. I don't have a DC mini. <laughs> It really helps me understand just dreams in general. I guess with that whole thing, when reality merges with dreams and stuff like that, it makes me think like, yeah, I would totally want it to be in the same way of like, yeah, I totally want to be paprika and be all trippy and stuff like that. Or even how you were talking about balance. There's just that it really taught me that. And maybe most movies teach that. Like, I guess that's like a general theme that they want to put in there for most movies sometimes some sense of, yeah i don't know about most movies but yeah definitely sometimes i know a lot of the movies i've looked at so i wonder if that's just like mm. my constant theme i don't know could be yeah <laughs> <laughs> but definitely balanced in that sense of just like yeah not everything needs to be super kooky and crazy kind of thing it could be a little bit of both there should be a routine so i learned that a lot it definitely changed my outlook on dreams and just like on people in themselves especially now since i understand the dynamic between dr chiba and osanai because like really at the end of the day he was jealous of her mm. because he couldn't control her mm -hmm. and then he put her in his dreams to control her yeah <laughs> totally and it's just kind of like i didn't catch all of that again just different things popping up and i feel like that's another thing that i like about movies when you rewatch them later on it could have a gem in there that you didn't click with like two years ago or something and then you look at it again and it's like perfect for what you're going through right now. Yeah, totally. I know for sure the more that I watched it, the more that I started to become more like open to the idea of just like how flexible this reality and stuff like that is. And I've had my fair share first started when I was in middle school and I had a couple of moments here and there as I was growing up. But there would be a lot of moments where I would go to sleep and wake up 
and it wouldn't be like any different. I couldn't tell the difference between mm. what I was doing from my dream and what I was doing from waking up. Oh, interesting. So I woke up, my alarm clock would go off. I'd go to school. I'd be on the bus, all that stuff. And then you, and then, and then um, you'd like wake up. <laughs> or I would know. That's the crazy thing, though. I would go through the full day and then come back home and go to sleep. And so when I would go to sleep, that would be when I'd wake up because my alarm clock. Oh, that sounds and exhausting. That would, <laughs> it was too much. And I would get really tired and I was super all over the place because I couldn't make sense of stuff. And then what was even more trippy for me during that time was that in reality, reality, me and my mom were about to move because she was pregnant. So we were going to a bigger house. So I was moving away in this reality or the one that I was having in my dream, totally not happening. Whoa. And we were just, she wasn't even pregnant. So we had no reason to move. We were just there and I was chilling with my friends. And it was really funny that those stopped happening when we moved. Yeah. But I don't know, like I have so many conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> Or just like different dream stuff, but I've had moments like that. And that kind of felt the same way of the moments in Paprika where you shift from one dream to reality or you shift from another dream to a different dream. Yeah. All that stuff. Or even the part where she's talking about, I can't believe I almost forgot about that. Like uh, the internet is like dreams. Mm -hmm. That's That definitely stuck with me yeah. because it is. Yeah. Shared a big shared dream, a big shared dream. Everybody's just throwing out all their vents and stuff like that. Yeah. And what you're describing about like basically second life dreams, you're totally not alone because I saw oh. I saw a Twitter thread of people. I think it was Twitter. It might have been Reddit. No, I think it was Twitter. But there was a whole thread of people that were talking about it, how they rarely find other people that have it but then there was this whole thread of like people are like oh me too like I, so I have a whole second life in my dreams and it's sometimes like my dream life is even more detailed and like exciting than than my, my my waking life and like there's you know recurring characters that have been in there for years and stuff like wow, that so yeah you're definitely scary. not alone I know it's so interesting <laughs> oh my god yeah <laughs> hey yo I've never I, I haven't gotten that far where I'm having like a full-on realistic thing going on the mm -hmm. most that would happen that was the most prominent one was when I was in middle school because I vividly remember I was in my math class and I hated it mm -hmm. and we got paperwork or like the homework thing and it was the exact same like in my <laughs> dream as it was in real life and I was uh, like what the fuck damn. I was so confused yeah so and that freaked me out but I didn't want to tell my mom because I didn't want her to think I was crazy Aww. but I was just like <laughs> It was a lot and it is very exhausting during that time. And then the other couple of times that it happened, the most that it would be was just like I would go on with my day. Like yeah. it would be so similar to my regular real life. Wild. That is wild. But I feel that energy from this movie and it just kind of made me feel like, I don't know, maybe there's something in there. And then you telling me there's a whole thread of people out there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, well, this has been a delightful discussion with you, Spiri. It's always wonderful to chat with you and very Likewise. wonderful to hear all your thoughts and feelings about Paprika and why it's meaningful to you. Thank you so much for letting me chat about it because I love this movie. It's so great. Yeah. I hope everybody that watches it likes it too. Yeah. I'm so glad that you got to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Spiri is also a wonderful animator herself. 
And where could people find your art or any of your other works online? I post pretty regularly on my Instagram and that's just at S-P-I-R-Y two underscores, but you should just see it when you too. And then um, <laughs> my Webtoons comic is called Circles and it's just on Webtoons. I'm trying to think of how I could make like a separate website for it because mm -hmm. I know there's stuff going on with their everything. I don't want to get oh, into it, dang. but um, <laughs> just like, you know, it would be best to have a own little area for it. And yeah. then of course I have my designs on my sticker store and it's spiritsticks.com um, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I love it. Yeah. Spiri's art is amazing and Circles is adorable and cute. She's created a whole like universe of these cool little like demon children, <laughs> teens, yeah. I'm not sure their age range, but they're so cute and she puts a lot of like heart and effort into really fleshing out those characters and that that universe so you should definitely check it out it's great stuff yeah and i'm getting more people to take that quiz so it's always fun to find out who's like what demon type they are <laughs> yeah oh is the quiz on your webtoons or where would people find the quiz that's on my link tree okay. which it, it, it should be in my bio on my instagram but there's a link somewhere okay. <laughs> cool well thanks again for being on thank you for having me i had so much fun yeah and remember everybody bring your own popcorn <laughs> Get it.